Lions of the Southland, May 1st, 2022. Mr. Grant, we're both busy people. You've been moving this, uh, this weekend, so we're going to get right to it. We're going to start with our club sports rundown. The only team that has had a news update is our number seven in the nation, Club Men's Lacrosse. They are still waiting to hear back from the NCLA about an at-large bid to the national tournament in Round Rock, Texas. So with that piece of business done, we move right on to the softball diamond. Yeah. Um, I don't think we've still ever beat Clemson yet, have we? Like, ever? Not sure. Not ideal. but. I know you're probably going to have a bit more cloudy opinion on this as you tend to do. Really, they lost a total of three games by seven total runs. I would say it's more along the lines of, okay, well, there was a lot at stake heading into this weekend in terms of seeding, um, but you needed some results to break exactly the right way. And you didn't get results to break that way. And so you're probably slotted into that seven, um, seven or eight seed heading into uh, heading into the ACC tournament. So, I mean, it's just not ideal, I think, is the best way to put it. Yeah. And I mean, they had a tough draw this year. Like they're 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 playing the meat of a of a rising ACC. I, I think this is about. I don't want to say this is about the best we can expect of them, but also at the same time, like they took care of enough business that they're not in bad. Not at all. Uh, And just to put this in context, and obviously this is the last series of the regular season, uh, Tech finished 36 and 15, I think 36 and 15. I think that might not include a game Um, and 11 and 13 in the ACC. So given that 11 and uh, 13 final record, Let's talk about that big picture in terms of the ACC tournament. Like I was saying, they are probably locked in to the seven. Um, There's a couple of scenarios at play. First off, you have uh, UVA at number six. Tech didn't play UVA. We've discussed that before. They played Louisville this weekend and went one and two. Louisville is the eight. Louisville obviously went two and one versus UVA. Um, Tech holds the tiebreaker over Louisville. UVA is 13 and 11. Louisville is 10 and 11 and still has a series left to play versus Notre Dame at Notre Dame. So here are your scenarios for going into the last weekend of the ACC regular season. If Louisville sweeps Notre Dame, Louisville is the six, UVA is the seven, and Tech is the eight. If Louisville goes two and one, UVA is the six, Louisville is the seven, and Tech is is the eight. If Notre Dame wins the series at all, UVA is the six, Tech is the seven, and Louisville is the eight. That's at least my rough napkin math on how all this breaks down. You obviously have a Louisville uh, Louisville rooting reference uh, preference here. How does that Notre Dame-Louisville series break down to you knowing what you know both about Notre Dame from Tech playing them and your knowledge of the Louisville team. Yeah, that's a, a, great, a great place to start. I think you can't really frame the postseason without knowing what this looks like, like for, for Tech. Um, 
Louisville's going on the road to South Bend. Uh, I think that's a pretty big statement there. Um, and, and I, I do want to point out that uh, largely the Louisville series played out very similarly to the Tech Notre Dame series. A lot of runs. Louisville has the potential to hit. I, I don't know about their uh, their pitching depth as much, but you know definitely have uh, have a right to be in in the mix there in all those games. I, I think we're going to be seeing a lot of hitting up in South Bend this coming weekend. Yeah, just to take a look at the bracket to compare placing seventh versus placing eighth. So seventh, seventh and eighth, regardless of how you slice it there, you end up in the in in playing in the first day, either at one or at three thirty. So pick your poison. That would be versus the nine. And if you're if you're the eight, you're playing the nine. If you're the seven, you're playing the ten. And if I have my standings pulled back up here, your ten is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Your ten is North Carolina. And your nine is NC State. I'm not sure Tech played North Carolina this year, um, but we did play NC State. So uh, NC State is currently seven and 14. I think they have one series left versus FSU. Um, North Carolina is six and 15. They have one series left versus Syracuse. So They'll probably trade spots here late on. I don't think Syracuse, Syracuse might have enough juice. Uh, Syracuse or Boston College. I actually think it might just be Syracuse that has enough juice to jump uh, jump North Carolina, but um, I think most of these slots are already spoken for uh, as we come down the stretch here. So you're kind of just playing for seating. Um, well, not really playing, just sort of waiting at home and, looking at seating works out, but it's either NC State or North Carolina. So, um, you know, that both of those are pretty tough opponents. Um, NC State is definitely tougher than North Carolina, but, you know, it's, we'll just have to see how the cookie crumbles there. Yeah, and it's tough, too. You really want to avoid that play-in game, if at all possible, throw your number one in that, uh, in a, I guess, second round. But, you know, I, honestly, this is – a team that I wouldn't say is like a, a shoe in shoe in for the tournament, but they've done all the right things. It's going to be really hard to ignore them. Again, I've seen, I've seen sure bet tech teams cough, cough volleyball, um, get left out of the tournament for, uh, uh, for, for shadier reasons than, than this team could. So I don't want to speak and put the cart before, before the horse, but um you know, obviously, you want to play as many games in the ACC tournament as possible. It's up in Pittsburgh, um, so it should be should be interesting. I don't know if that they've ever played the ACC tournament in Pittsburgh before, and um, and yeah, like uh, obviously, uh, a win against the top eighteen team would be would be nice. Uh, I think a win and, and two close losses probably leaves them ranked uh, going into the going into the final week of the year. But they have plenty of time to rest and recuperate and. Quite frankly, um, yeah, the, there's an argument that they could fall out of rhythm, you know, not having a midweek this past week, not having a midweek and weekend series this coming week. But quite frankly, I don't think there's any problem going into the, the ACC tournament fully rested either. So, Yeah, I, I don't have a problem with that either. Just a little bit more on NC State, North Carolina. NC State is 66th. 
and RPI per D1 softball, and North Carolina is 51. So no easy outs, even if you drop to the – even if you're in the first day of play. Um, so it's going to be a very, very competitive ACC tournament this year. Yeah, and, and I will say that nine of Tech's 13 losses in the conference came to Clemson, uh, Florida State, and um, what's their faces? Dude. Dude respectively you know maybe maybe next year we hit the point where we turn a corner there but if you're if you're up against those t- and you know Notre Dame who's the four seat that's two more um so 11 out of the 13 this is clearly a team that can feast on the team equal to its stature in the conference but there there's definitely a a kind of glass ceiling built in built into the ACC right now at least as tech is currently structured so Definitely a storyline to keep uh, your eye on going into next year as well. But this is a team that can mash the ball. Um, it, it's one that's played fairly well uh, in the conference and, and, you know, very well overall. So should be should be interesting to see how things play out. Obviously, they played uh, 27 non-con games and went 25 in, and two in those games. So definitely one that's taking care of business. But, you know, the ACC is is the rising tide. So I, I guess it's it's tough, but. I think ultimately a good thing to be matched up against, you know, one of those North Carolina schools and, and getting a game, getting a win, getting back into the mix, especially yeah. in the tournament. Yeah. I think your prognostication about them potentially missing out on this tournament might be a little unfounded considering that they're sitting at 23rd in RPI. Granted that's before, um, before I think two games were played to close out the weekend, but I don't see how you can leave out a team that has that is 36 and 15 and has competed right? and has all of its all if not most of its losses or actually I think all of its losses other than two to top 15 teams mm-hmm. or top 20 21 teams. So it's a it's difficult for me to say they will not get in because it seems very obvious to me that they're not going to be even on the bubble. They will be firmly in the tournament. Yeah. I mean, this is more just me hedging, hedging bets than, than anything. Someone's sports won a championship. Even I've broken out of this. (laughs) Okay. bud, I'll believe that when I see it. Uh, let's talk about another potentially tournament-bound stickball team. Georgia Tech baseball went two and two on the week. They took a rough loss at home versus Troy in the midweek. That was a twelve and eight loss, and then they went two and one versus Miami. I think that third game has now gone final, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, uh, they're down nine in the ninth. I'll put it like that. It's effectively final, barring something miraculous. If something changes, we'll update the sheet. Um, they won the series versus the number three team in the nation. And they lost versus Troy. Yep. There's so many places I want to go with this, but mainly the thing that comes to mind or two things come to mind. Number one, this team's midweeks have been unexpectedly brutal. I, I think we saw a really 
um, interesting rise in the in the competitiveness and the quality of in-state baseball this year. Um, and, and there are a number of factors for that. I think mainly um, you could probably point to uh, the amended draft last couple of years uh, for the majors that, that has had a couple of teams still have a lot of senior talent. And then also that senior talent is staying because of the COVID, the extra COVID year of eligibility. Um, so that's made the state state games really competitive, but I, I just, I, I, part of that is I just don't know how good this team is. Like, their D1 baseball says they're on the cusp of hosting, but also they're down nine to Miami right now, and they lost by four to Troy on Tuesday. Like, where is the – are they a top 16 or top 18 team in the nation, or, or are they not? Like, it's very confusing to me. Yeah, see, the, the interesting thing about, uh, about the boys – if you will, is that they are really good at hitting the baseball. This is where we talk about Kevin Parada, who deserves more than he's gotten uh, from the media writ large. Obviously, we talk about, uh, you know, our, our glasses wearing catcher with wheels and, you know, also a great hit to a great hit tool, great power tool. Um, defense is pretty fine. Um, really all you can ask for in a player Kevin, if Kevin Parada is the sterling shining example of everything that is right with this team, honestly, Andrew Jenkins, Chandler Simpson, Trace Gonzalez, none of them. It's a formidable, behind, right? formidable battery. Yes, it's it's one of the scariest lineups in the whole country, right? It, and and that's the thing. Like we've got we've got a pretty uh, raw talent heavy pitching staff too. They just haven't had the same. Um, same kind of consistency, but I would argue that when both boom or both one of each booms and the other busts, they can bail each other out pretty effectively. Like we saw that Friday night, a 3-1 uh, like game. If you would have said to me that Tech was only going to score three runs against Miami, I would have said, great, a loss. And I think most of you would have too. Don't lie to us. You would have. Um, but at the same time, you know, that's, that's pitching stepping up. And, you know, even when the bats aren't on, you know, bats step up and, and score seven in the next day. And when they both bust, it's pretty spectacular. And I think that's what we've seen in combination, like you said, with the talent, talent staying home. Obviously, there. I mean, for those of us who are around here and uh, actually, and I, I have somewhat talked about demographics and sociology and, you know, the kind of physical geography human geography aspects of sports in the past, but the same things that we see play out in a football macro sense kind of play out in a baseball, softball, basketball micro sense uh, as well. I would say, you know, you know, Georgia tech kind of being able to take advantage of volleyball being on the rise of baseball talent, really concentrating itself in, in our neighborhood here uh, along with, you know, some of the other, some of the other schools and all that to say, you know, you can, you can go up against, midweeks playing their world series against you the, the power five team with the the pedigree and, and the nicest facilities in the country that's a pretty compelling reason to struggle in the midweeks up against the same thing as we said right if one's booming and one's busting that being the pitching and the hitting really um when they're both on they're both on when they're both off 
see Wake Forest. Yeah, I, I, I think I think you might be giving the midweek schedule a little bit or, or too little credit. Like I, I don't think it's just a it's their World Series thing, but these teams are coming in and playing extremely competitively because they're good teams, right? At one point, all of the teams, all of the D1 teams in the state were ranked within the top 25 of, of RPI uh, or, or 25 or 30 in RPI. So um, they are, they're, they're good. They're good programs and they're good. They're also, like we said, they're taking advantage of the talent that's in, that's in the state and in this region um, and, and older talent as well. That's stayed an extra year. It's, it, it's very interesting how this weekend, other unlike other weekends, has relied on that pitching. This has been this has been a weekend where pitching has decided these games, especially those first two games that had to be. You know, Zach Maxwell comes in uh, to close both of those games and slams the door shut, uh, getting I think four outs yesterday, um, and I think six outs the day before in two run games. All right, so hats off to him, but it's a change from where Tech is either playing from behind or they're playing with a lead and you're sort of thinking, okay, well, they're going to have to match the gas in order to run away with this one because uh, what's coming out of the bullpen is not necessarily, you know, our, our strongest gambit um, of uh, strongest gambit that we can put together uh, at the end of the day. Yep. Uh, and I mean, I wouldn't say it's not the strongest we can put together. I just think it's been inconsistent. And, mm-hmm. and that's, and that's, I don't want to say a fact of life, but it's certainly been a fact of life of being a fan of this baseball team for longer than just this year's season. And one thing I want to come back on just to sort of switch gears as we start to look towards the bigger picture towards the end of the season, Kevin Parada. You mentioned how good he was, how solid of a player he was overall. I think one thing that comes along with that is we saw Joey Bart start to make his major league debut for the Giants this past the, the past couple of weeks as, as baseball has gotten restarted. I think there's one key difference between Bart as that top two pick and Parada as he projects out into a top five pick, I think, um, this spring is that and you mentioned it, that defense piece that, that he is not as good as a, as a pure catcher as Bart was at the same stage. And I think one of the things that we talked about back then is that Bart had the confidence of Danny Hall to call his own games and, uh, and work with the catcher or work with the pitcher at his own rate. Um, I don't think that Parada's had that same, uh, same confidence or at least same catcher ability. Uh, I think, I think maybe he might switch positions. I, I think we talked about that in the writers room with, uh, as an example of Bryce Harper, uh, who'd switch positions when he was he was coming through the prep pipeline. What, what about Kevin Parada? Um, as we move forward to the draft, what, what do you think his strengths and weaknesses are? And you talked about it a little bit, but what do you think his strengths strengths and weaknesses are? How do you see him coming together as a as a professional ball player? I mean, honestly, I, I think it's a little bit selling him short and, and the development potential that he still has. He's he's a sophomore, right? We, we saw Joey Bart leave after 
after an extra year uh, on the flats compared to that, right? Joey Bart left after his junior year. Uh, and we're talking about Kevin Braddock here, a guy who, well, this is this is a little bit more arguable of a, of a coaching decision. Didn't start his opening day, right? Wasn't a surefire thing to be the opening day starter. I see oh, man, that was a whole thing. I, oh, a whole I also thing. almost had an aneurysm. Yes, this is this is fair. Um, but it, it helps my point, right? He has come a really, really, really long way. Um, even though he was, you know, intimately talented, um, you know, great hit tool last year, cooled off. But in, in terms of the combination of hitting for average, hitting for power, um, you know, wheels, good, good base running for the most part. Um, you know, he, he's everything uh, that an offensive player needs to be. And, uh, you know, you combine that with even functional defense, with, which he definitely has and definitely has the ability to develop. To develop. Again, he's only played two years of college ball um, and is already this polished, you know, maybe longer-ish term. Uh, he would wind up playing an outfielder, you know, corner outfield, first base type position but you know there's a universal dh in in baseball now as much as i hate it <laughs> yes, if, if, if <laughs> yes. That's what it takes, kevin parada is built to be a professional hitter not saying anything good or bad about his defense at the very least he's a bat that can slot into just about any lineup in in major league baseball and, and immediately well not immediately contribute but you know what i mean like he's, he's a bat you can build around yeah um Absolutely. So uh, going back to the big picture thing, let's talk about what happens next, what happens after the ACC or after the end of the ACC regular season, Tech has two series left. That's one versus Clemson and the other one versus Pitt. Both of those are away. They will be they're right now fourth in the coastal. They would be the eighth seed in the tournament if I counted my teams off correctly. Um, They would face the one they would be in pool A versus the one seed, which I had misprinted here, the one seed would be Louisville. No, no, it would be Miami again. And the 12, which would be, I think, Pitt or North Carolina or Duke. So one of them. Um, they are also 11th. Before today's game, they were 11th in D1 baseball's RPI. <sighs> Again, this goes back to what we were saying about we don't really know how this like it's a very weird boomer bust team. Um, I think some of these projections show it. We talked earlier about how D1 baseball has them right on the cusp of hosting a regional, right in that top 16, top 18 team range. Um, baseball America had tech as the two seed in the Hattiesburg regional. That's with top seed Southern Miss. And then D1 baseball had uh, tech and Auburn switching places. Um, and Auburn hosting that regional, Auburn being the 13th national seed, I believe. So weird, weird future ahead, or murky future ahead in terms of where they place nationally. What do you think the next, what do you think they got to do to be a firm regional host? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, in order to be a firm regional host, it would have been nice to, to win today, but I think tech really what they need to do is take care of business the rest of the schedule. Um, I don't think you can pass up a, a team that, you know, is, is a conference winner, perhaps runner up if they're lucky. Um, 
in the conference tournament. But I, I, I think that there's just too many questions about this team that we've seen uh, over the season for, for me to say, oh, they need to do X, Y, Z thing. They need, they need to take care of business and they need some wins in the conference tournament against some quality competition. You can't go one and one, beat Wake Forest, lose to VT or whatever that pool winds up being and say, oh, why didn't we get a regional? You didn't get a regional because you didn't win when it really needed to happen, you know? Yeah. Uh, and just to look forward, like I said, they'll play Clemson. Clemson is six and 13 in the conference. Pitt is 10 and 10 right now. I think those both are pending some results. Pitt is right under tech in the standings currently. So that probably decides fourth in the coastal and some seating there. Um, but it's, I, there are no easy outs, right? I mean, Clemson is still 28 and 16. Pitt is 24 and 17. They're not, they're not easy outs. They're not, you know, easy teams to beat, especially in three game sets when you're playing them away. So, yeah, yeah, I think I'm with you. It's hard to project what this is going to look like. And I think making it to the knockout stages and winning at least one knockout game probably seals the deal for them um, in terms of, in, in terms of probably hosting, if not just locks up a very solid two seed um, in one of those lower, uh, in one of those regionals, in one of those lower regionals, I think. If, if I was a host team and I saw tech slotted into my region, pitching troubles be damned. Like I'd be pretty scared, you know, between Parada, Simpson, Jenkins, Gonzalez, Blair, uh, you know, Compton, Reed, it, literally everyone on the lineup that's up and down the lineup is dangerous. Anyone you can slot in from the bench, pretty darn effective too. So I, I don't think being a two seed, obviously we want to go see some playoff baseball, but mm-hmm. I don't think being a two seed somewhere else is going to be, you know, the, the end all be all make or break kind of thing. So yeah, I think the difference between this team and last year's team is that the bats last year were a lot more hit or miss, whereas this year they've been pretty consistently hit, for lack of a better term, and also pun not intended. Um, they are they are pretty consistent. They have put together double-digit games repeatedly over the course of the season. So I think if you're heading into a regional and you know that the way to win playoff like playoff series is is pitching, but you can absolutely mash the hell out of the ball. I think you're doing okay. I think you'll you're set. I think you're set versus any sort of any sort of pitching matchup that that you're facing. Yeah, I agree. Um, and again, it's at the end of the day, a regional's a coin flip. Feels like we've come up on the losing end of the coin flip a lot, and you know that's that's an okay way to feel sometimes because it can be true. Um, what was I going to say? Shoot. I mean, we saw it in Bandy last year, right? Like in it till the end of the game, extra deep into extra innings before, you know, those, they came tech came a one or tech came a one other serviceable reliever away from winning a regional final final versus Vanderbilt who what made the college world series and was the runner up. Yep. So I think there's something to be said, said for that. Yeah, for sure. I agree. Let's, 
Let's move on then. Let's go to the golf course. Tech is still, I think they're still ranked 11th um, after their ACC tournament final versus Wake on Monday. This is a, this is a older news. A lot has transpired this week. Huh? Um, this is from last Monday. This has got to be the most dramatic golf thing I've ever watched, I think. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I think they've uh, definitely given people their value because, you know, it's not often that golf gets on TV. And they were like, you know what? We're going to make Benjamin Ritter play a five-hour-long match in the Panama City Beach heat, humidity. Noted, noted Dutchman. Benjamin Ruder. Yeah. Like that's, that's tough. It, it's, it's tough. They, they, they went through it. Uh, for those of you that didn't catch it tech, like we've alluded to uh, was runner up to wake. That's tough. Don't want to let wake get get past us in the old, uh, in the old ranking title rankings, but title table, if you will. Uh, that that is, but, but what's something to know here is that's, te- that's wake's first title since 89. All right, yeah. so it, it puts it into context, like, and, and you said it last week, like, Wake was really, really good before Tech joined the conference and before the ACC expanded to add all these really good golf teams, um, like like Florida State and, and so on. So yeah. you have just this dominant period of Wake Forest that is just that just ends in '89, uh, and and this is the first time they've they'd been able to climb back to the precipice, but they went the distance in this one. This one was tied 2-2 after Christo Lamprecht. I think Bartley Forrester wrapped their games up for, or their matches up for Tech. And then Wake took two back. So it's down to Benjamin Ruder in that last game that, that tips off, the last match that tips off. And it then they, they were, I think Ruder was one down heading into, the, heading into the final hole. He ties it up on 18. And then we head to three extra holes Bruder missed championship putts I think on the he definitely missed one on the first one and was a, unable to get his opponent to concede on the second one but then had a really bad drive on the third hole and just couldn't recover uh, and I think that kind of doomed him doomed him there yeah um I think that's Probably a good way to put it. You were actually watching this. I was just scoreboard refreshing because, you know, work and stuff. But um, So you got to have two monitors, bro. <laughs> yeah, but I also like work in an office where like, you know, people are walking by and stuff. I'm, I, I don't know, just just not, uh, not my speed, I guess. What can I say? Um, what was I going to say? Shoot. Well, one thing that I, well, I'll vamp while you pick together your thoughts, but one thing that you'd mentioned in the aftermath is that Ruder fell to the number six, was and number six amateur player in the nation or number six collegiate player in the nation, right? So it's no slouch. His opponent was no slouch. It's not like you know, it's a fluke. Um, it's a fluke that they went this far. Ruder put up a really good fight for the entire afternoon. I mean, he was down. He was down big at one point. I think it was two or three down, and he battled back to bring it within one late, tied up on 18, and then take it to extras and keep fighting the entire way. So it's a credit to him. It's a credit to, to Tech's coaching staff that they were able to put him in a position 
to succeed there. It's just, I mean, golf in many ways, unlike more than other sports, is a literal game of inches, game of inches and game of angles, right? So just unfortunate, uh, unfortunate that he couldn't pull it off late. Slopes, angles, how wet the turf is, you know, that's how long the grass is, all that good stuff. But yeah, no, the, really it was, it, it was a, you know, a, a probably a building block moment. And again, this team's still relatively young too. So uh, I don't know. It's tough because that was probably text. You know, I, I, I realized baseball still has a lot of baseball to play. Softball still has a tournament to go, but let's be real. That was tech shot um, to, to win an ACC title this year. And it's tough not to do it, but you know, it's maybe, tough maybe, to also go the distance and not do it. Right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, but, but, you know, they still have an NCAA tournament left and that they, they've routinely put together very good finishes at the NCAA tournament. Um, and we'll just see how far they go this year. I mean, they made it to, they made it to match play last year. Um, they'll be in the mix, right? They're, they'll be in the mix until the very end as, as referenced by this Monday. So, we're just going to have to see how, see how the cards lie on that one. Yep, I agree. Let's move on to the track, Mr. Grant. This was a split squad weekend for Georgia Tech track on the final weekend of the regular season. They were at 10 relays up in Pennsylvania, obviously, and then the Torin Lawrence invite. Do you want to go through the results for me, please? Um, I can run through real quick. Uh, Penn relays about how they sound, they are relays. They happen in Pennsylvania. It is one of the, if not the most historic uh, events in track and field, very prestigious, a lot of different age groups, big, big time in, in Franklin Field, um, definitely highlighted by the women's four by eight team uh, of Riley Perlikowski, Haley, you thank Allie Walker and Kayla Rose. They came in at an 854.80, I would think for the vast majority of runners there. They are there because, you know, or they're getting their success based on the fact that they actually got to go uh, because that's a big, important race. So um, places be darned. Um, that's got to be an amazing experience to run uh, in a in a pretty cool venue and, and pretty historic place like that. In terms of the Torrin Lawrence, uh, Olivia Moore, uh, she was the only one to compete uh, the final two marks, only one of two pole vaulters to attempt, uh, ended her day. Uh, with the four and a quarter meter. Uh, the four by 100 relay, uh, Shalea Harris, Tyler, uh, Taylor Grimms, sorry, uh, Anna Witherspoon and Chloe Davis uh, finished in second. In the 100 meter hurdles, uh, Grimes placed third. Uh, Davis, meanwhile, followed everything up um, with the 100 meter uh, with an 11.74. So uh, pretty, pretty solid for that set of athletes. And then in the distance events, Abby Kettle, Mary Brady, those are names we don't hear as much, uh, so good to see them in the mix, along with Jack Voss, Nick Nyman, Charlie Smith, and Chris Cherno being uh, standout finishes on the men's side of the 1500 meter. Um, do you want to take us home with the long jump? Men's long jump, John Watkins, third place in the collegiate ranks, 14.81 uh, meters. Very nice job. Uh, we will next see the track and field team at ACC's that's coming up, I think, in two weeks. You have one last word on track yep. before we move on. Yeah. So over the years that we've been doing this podcast, um, 
we've slowly become more and more schooled on a variety of different sports, right? Obviously, I came into this with a, a strong swimming softball background. Akshay came into this with the soccer background that is so useful at Georgia Tech because we have so many of those teams. Uh, and over the years, we've really tried to go into learning more about the tennis, the golf, um, you know, just, just rounding out the portfolio, getting into volleyball, things like that. Um, and I think I would argue probably pretty accurately that track and field is our last frontier. So, um, you know, definitely interesting to see, uh, to see, you know, it's, it's a sport where they're competing against professionals and, and unattached athletes, um, and all that good stuff, you know, Olympic hopeful, um, big, big thing about, uh, pen relays, um, from, from what I've read is, you know, a lot of, a lot of Olympic type, uh, caliber athletes are up there, but also, you know, the prestigious, um, you know, younger kids too. Um, so definitely our final frontier again, um, reach out to us if you want to school us on track sometimes, but at the very least, I think that's at the top of my summer project list is, is just learning up other than, you know, speedy runner, go zoom and, you know, runner jump high, you know, I obviously extreme oversimplification. Now I sound like an idiot, but that's pretty par for the course. Eh? Oh, it's absolutely par for the course. Let me tell you. Um, but that's also how you uh, imbibe F1. So I don't think anything is, is particularly different there. Yeah. Point is, uh, if it ever seems like we're a little bit short on track, it's because we don't want to sound like we don't know what we're talking about. And our mission, uh, now that I would likely say we found out about the other ones, is to, you know, come up, come up to speed on track. Uh, obviously, uh, if you are track adjacent or if you are really passionate about a sport club or something that we should be talking about more um you know let us know we have a couple of uh couple of interesting podcast topics in the pipeline for the summer obviously the summer is hashtag construction talk season uh so for those of you who have missed out on us talking about buildings and bricks and stuff like that uh just just get hyped because you know the summer is coming fast Oh, we're going to do another Jake walks around town and, and decides to record episode. And it's going to be great. Yeah. It's going to be hey, great. This is me at the Campanile construction site. Let's see what's going on. It might be done by that point. That's Who knows? Is it supposed to be done like soon? Depends which Campanile. Uh, the, the Georgia Tech Campanile is the one you mean. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. If I, if I could figure out what was going on at the John Dewberry Campanile, Urbanize Atlanta would be backing up the Briggs truck, you know. Wow. That's uh, really, that is an urbanist blog about development that goes on around Atlanta. This is a niche. Been trying to figure it out for a while. There, I've brought our listeners up to speed. Niche, niche podcasting reference. Anything else to niche podcast reference before we have to walk out today? Yeah, keep an eye on the uh, tennis scene for, uh, you know, one, maybe two. Uh, team draws and then as well as the singles and doubles draws uh, because it'll be interesting to see how you know the the single and, and double entries fare especially on the men's side who have really had a, a couple of extremely elite talents in, in Andres Martin and, and Marcus McDaniel so um, should be interesting to see how that shakes out um, if anyone has any feedback or comments or questions or suggestions or uh, I don't know advertisements for cyprus i don't know um drop us a line at from the rumble seat at gmail.com 
uh, at FTRS blog on Twitter in the comments uh, for from the Rumble Seat articles. Uh, you can also DM me at jakegrant98 on Twitter. With that, that's all I got. That's all I got too. We will see you all next week. Oh.